Christ came to bring peace. I don't know where you are in your life, whether it's just you feel like you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and you have no time to really think or process life or have a plan for 2020, which maybe you're freaking out because it is 2020 and you're like, it was like 2014 last year and here we are, like five years of my life has disappeared and I don't even know what I'm doing, I don't know. May this be a time of just peace. And to know that that's what Jesus came to bring us. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Lord, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity to worship you and sing to you. And God, we pray as we get into your word together, Lord, that you would speak to us in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would teach us by your word uh, who you are. And um, just again, we're so thankful that you came to save us. And Lord, as we look at this moment in your life um, where you revealed yourself as the Messiah, Lord, we pray that you would, again, just remind us of the time in which you revealed yourself to us as our Messiah, as our Savior. And um, so, Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapter 12, verse 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, and that they did, had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, this is a story usually we read around Easter time. Uh, this is Palm Sunday, as you uh, may as well know. But this is right after this miracle that took place with the raising of Lazarus from the day, right? That's why it says the next day, the next day. So right after the day in which Lazarus has come back from the dead in Bethany, right? Jesus walks around the top of that mountain because on the, on the Mount of Olives or where he's going to descend from, on the other side of the Mount of Olives is the city of Bethany. And so he just walks a short distance and that's where this whole... Um, triumph begins. Now, a triumph was a Roman thing uh, where a general would return back from war. Um, he, in order to have a triumph, he would have to have killed 6,000 men. Like it would have had to be this incredible slaughter and, and raging battle that he had conquered in conquest. And so the city would turn out, they would lay down their clothes and branches and he would come into the city. Remember in Gladiator when he's, remember that scene? You remember that? I mean, he's like coming in and everyone's throwing, yeah, I know. They're throwing like flowers and stuff like that. He's coming into the city like, yay, he's back. After they had just conquered Germania. Um, it's not in scripture, but just to give you like a picture, that's kind of what's happening, right? That's a Roman triumph. 
And so when this is called the triumphal entry, Jesus hasn't conquered men. He's going to conquer sin and death. That's what he's conquering. And this is the beginning of the last week of his life. In seven days from here, or five days from here, he's going to be uh, arrested, crucified, um, and laid into a tomb. And on that, that third day, he's going to rise again from the grave. So it gives you kind of a scope of the Gospel of John, that John covers a lot of ground, and then all of a sudden just kind of stops at the very end of his life. And in the last, I don't know how many chapters, 20, you know, 12 more chapters are about the last 24 or the last week really, of Jesus' life. And, um, and John lays a heavy emphasis on that for the reason that we might believe in Jesus. And so, um, but as he enters into the city, it was during this time of Passover, right? And the Passover was a time which they're celebrating in the book of Exodus. They're remembering the time in which the angel of death passed over the homes that had the blood upon the door. And because of that, they celebrated. That was the last plague that God brought into Egypt. And from that plague, they were freed um, to, to leave Egypt. That was their deliverance. Um, but it was by the blood of that lamb upon the doorposts that set them free from losing their firstborn child and things like that. Okay, So it's during that time. And during this time, some, depending on the population, there's some 25,000 lambs that, we, that would be sacrificed on the altar during the time of Passover. And it was so, so much blood that was being spilled for the sins of the people that the brook Kidron, which runs below and in between the Mount of Olives in the city of Jerusalem, that is the brook Kidron that Jesus will cross here in the triumphal entry, would turn red with the blood of the animals, the blood of, of the sacrifices. Just to give you a picture of what's going on. You can kind of smell it and kind of taste it. No? Um, so <laughs> that's kind of what's happening. It's during this time. It's a time of great celebration. It's a time in which they longed for deliverance again, right? Their Messiah would come. Um, and, and there's this great hype that's kind of in the people. And it's at this time that Jesus tells his disciples that the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. This is the time in which he says, this is, it, now I can be known and now I can be seen. Remember, there are multiple times in the Gospels and throughout the life of Jesus where he would say, my time has not yet come, right? My time has not yet come. They would go to capture him and seize him and he would move like, like some kind of spiritual ninja through the crowd and they wouldn't be able to arrest him or capture him, right? Because his time had not yet come. No one laid a hand on him until he said it was time. And so when Jesus then um, comes into the city, as he's riding, you get a picture of, here's the Mount of Olives, here's Jerusalem. You're always coming up into the city of Jerusalem. So the mountains go down, and then they come up onto this plateau that is Jerusalem. It's really fascinating. You're always ascending. You're never descending into Jerusalem. Um, and so he comes down the Mount of Olives, up into the city of Jerusalem. And as he's coming down, the people begin to break off branches from the trees, laying them down on, up, upon the road and even putting their own clothes upon the road. And in the symbol of them saying, this is our king. This is our king. This is our Messiah. This is the one who's going to deliver us and, and free us and enter into this kingdom age of, of God. This is our king. Which is ironic because the sign that is placed over Jesus' head when he hangs upon the cross is, behold, the king of the Jews. 
in the same crowd that cries out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and quotes this psalm, right? This is um, Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. They're rejoicing and they're singing that this is our Messiah who, who was said to have come, um, the fulfillment of, of the prophecy of Daniel, right? All this is prophetically promised to us in the book of Daniel. If you do a study on the, on the 70 weeks of Daniel, you'll find that on this day, exact day, is the day in which Daniel predicted that the Messiah would come into the city of Jerusalem. This is the fulfillment of it, which is the chance of that happening is, is unbelievable. Um, it's like someone filling up Texas with silver dollars to knee height marking one of them, dropping it somewhere in the state, and you walking around blindfolded and reaching down and picking that up and finding that one, that is the chance of fulfilling one prophecy. One, just one. And Jesus fulfilled over 300 different prophecies. And this being one of them, the fulfillment of the, in the book of Daniel. But what they speak of when they say Hosanna, that word means save now. Now, when I was in grade school, there was a girl in my class named Hosanna. Uh-huh. And it's not as joyful as you think. She was the most obnoxious person in the world. And I actually punched her in the face as a child. It was supposed to be a fake, and she got too close, and bam, like totally hit her in the face. She used to chase me around and try and hug me and kiss me and stuff. Um... This is little. She's not like in high school. And I'm like punching. Anyway, but she used to chase me around. I remember Hosanna. Now her name means save now, right? Save us now. And that's what the people are saying. Save us now, not from their sins, not from hell. Save us from the rule of the Roman government. This is our king. They're looking into something temporary. And here comes Jesus, not riding upon a horse, but he's riding upon a donkey. A donkey... Um, is a symbol of peace in the Bible. If a king would ride in on a donkey, it was symbolic of peace. Now, when he came into the city on a horse, or if he came riding on a horse, it was a symbol of war and conquering, right? And Jesus came the first time. He came on a donkey to bring peace. At the announcement of his birth, what does the angel say? Behold, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Jesus came, his first coming was to bring peace to men. Not in the sense of there's no wars, there's no battle. Not peace in, the, in that sense of, of men not warring against himself. But peace in the fact that Jesus would bring peace between God and man. That enmity would be abolished and there would be relationship again. And the, the announcement of Jesus uh, at his birth is peace, goodwill, to all men, and that's what Jesus was bringing. And so as he sits upon this donkey, it's a fulfillment, again, of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey, a colt, down to the very, like, species and size the Bible predicted how the Messiah would enter into the city, right? Zion is the city of Jerusalem. It's this holy city, right? And, and there is a prediction, a prophecy that your king, capital K, is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. That's a baby donkey. That's a little donkey. Now, what's fascinating about donkeys, 
Ready? Are you ready? <laughs> the don donkeys throughout scripture is a really cool study. If you ever want to have some fun, like on a Friday night, if you're like, I'm feeling wild, I'm going to do <laughs> a study on a donkey in the Bible. But if you look at donkeys throughout the Bible, there's an instance where um, Saul loses all of his father's donkeys. They disappear, right? They take off. They're lost. There's, uh, there's another one in, I believe it's Ezekiel or Zechariah or Jeremiah. It's one of those books I haven't read. Um, where, <laughs> right? Anyone in Jeremiah in your devotional time and you're like, wow, this is a long book. Um, it, but there's an instance where they throw this donkey over the wall, like a dead donkey. It's cast out. It's left alone. Or um, in, in the instance of Jesus, in the other gospels, it tells us that the donkey is tied up. It's bound. Um, and there's all these different pictures of donkeys throughout the Bible. Here's what I'm saying. Every single one of those pictures and every mentions of them, it also mentions, it, it, it mirrors our spiritual state as well. And here's why this is important. We were once lost. We were once put out from the fellowship of God. We were once bound in sin. There's all these things if you look at the study of donkeys if you want to. But also, this is the cool, and I forgot about this one. In the story of the Exodus, there is something called the sacrifice of the firstborn or the redemption of the firstborn, I, I believe. Everything that was born first was given to God. Right, the firstborn child, the firstborn, the donkey, however, the firstborn donkey had to be redeemed by a lamb. You had to sacrifice a lamb for the donkey. Otherwise, you would have to break the donkey's neck. And you're like, that's such a weird law. Why would God say that? Because we are the donkey. The lamb was sacrificed for us to redeem us. And here you have the lamb of God sitting upon the colt, the foal of a donkey, the firstborn baby donkey. And you're like, whoa, you're stretching this a little weird. This is a little too far. I don't know, Andrew. Look it up. Look it up. Study donkeys in the Bible. It's pretty amazing. And the reason I mention that is because even as Jesus came into the city riding on a donkey, and you think, why wouldn't he just walk? Or why would he use this yeah, it's a symbol of peace. But if we're the donkey, right? Christ comes upon us and into us and makes our, our heart his home so that wherever you go, you bring Jesus into that place. Does that make sense? That you are a vehicle in which the gospel is brought because the spirit of God dwells in us. And so that's the picture of it is, is that we, not only is this a fulfillment of prophecy and we don't want to, you know, lessen that in any way. This is a miracle in, its, in and of itself. But the symbol of it, that God would choose us to, to use us to bring Jesus into our community, into our job, into our, our world or sphere of influence is a great honor. Um, so Jesus rides in on a donkey. When he sat on it, it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, as he rides into the city, the other gospels tell us that they rejoiced and they sang and they worshiped and they were very excited because this is the revealing of Jesus saying, Yes, I am your Messiah. The interesting thing as well is rabbis, the rabbinical teaching of the time was that if the people are ready for their Messiah, 
he will come on a horse. If they are not ready for their Messiah, he will come on a donkey. This was their own teaching. And so when Jesus comes on a donkey, the people were not ready for the conquering king. Because Jesus came, he came on a donkey once. He's coming again. What does he ride upon when he comes again? A big stinking white horse, right? Cavallo Blanco. He is running in. Like he is coming in to conquer and, and to, to defeat the, the enemy once and for all. But who comes with him? Us. We ride behind him on little Cavallo, you know, little Cavallo Blanco, on little white horses. We're coming with him, Right? So we're removed and he comes to make war against, against those that would reject him and, and war against him. But he came the first time so that we could have peace with God. And the whole purpose of the coming of Christ as we enter into this time of, of celebrating the holidays and, and all that comes with it. You know, trees and family pictures and Christmas cards and, and all the stuff stuff that comes with, you know, you got to buy gifts for the weirdest people. You're like, why do I have to give you something? <laughs> We're going to, um, you know, stocking stuffers and this and that and bows and wrapping paper and all of the, the glory that is Christmas, right? Some of you have been listening to Christmas music for months now because you have an issue and, and you just, this time is such a rejoicing time and it's a magical time. Hallmark's just like ready to go and we're all excited. The whole point of this season and this time, you'll notice that word peace is thrown up everywhere and the world has no idea why it's a time of peace. They have no idea why we're celebrating this time and this is a time of peace. They have no idea why. You do and I do because Jesus came to bring peace to all men. Not peace in the sense of like, yay, no more war on the earth. There will be war until Jesus comes back the second time. But he came the first time that we would no longer be in enmity with God. Enemies of God. He makes us friends brothers, sisters with Christ. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. So when you see that word peace thrown up everywhere all over, the, all over this time of year, remember why we have peace. It's because Christ sat upon a donkey and rode into the city, ultimately riding unto his death. Jesus knew what awaited him in this next few weeks, or next week, excuse me. That the people who rejoiced at his coming and rejoiced as he, as he rode into the city would be those that would be tempted and betray him and say, crucify him to his face. So his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, verse 16, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Um, I find this verse super comforting. The disciples didn't understand what was going on. Anyone ever feel that way? I have no idea what's going on. They have no clue. They did not understand. But it wasn't until Jesus died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, they were like, oh, yeah. Remember when you wrote, oh, my goodness. Remember Zechariah, the whole thing? <laughs> and they were just blown away. Like, that's when it all clicked for them. And I'm like, ah, oh, aren't you glad? Like, Jesus doesn't discriminate against dumb people. And um, 
I am, I sure am. Anyway, therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. And the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees see this procession, this triumph, and they say, all that we've tried to do It's for nothing. Look, the world follows after him, which is an exaggeration, of course. But they were so determined at this point. This is when they said, we have got to kill him. Like they had already been determined, but this is what just set them off. Now they're seeing people worship him and they're seeing people calling him the Messiah. And they're they're going, oh, no, 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 no. We have got to do something. This sets in motion this week uh, in Jesus's life, this event, because Jesus at this point openly, publicly declares exactly who he is at this time. This is the Messiah. So if anyone has ever said, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. At this point, he's not fighting it, is he? He is openly, publicly declaring that he is the Messiah the king of the Jews. But he doesn't fight as a king. He comes in to lay his life down. He's not coming in like, we're going to change some stuff. Revolution, it's coming. He reminds his disciples of why he's coming. He tells them later in this chapter, I'm coming to die. And they still don't get it. They don't understand all of this commotion. They're thinking, this is it, man. The kingdom's coming. We're going to sit at his right hand. This is it. And Jesus tells them in the very next verses, he tells them, I've come to to die. And this is where Peter's like, you're you're crazy. You're talking crazy. And this is that whole discourse that takes place. But just like for the sake of your own health and benefit, um, we're going to end super short. And we're just going to sit on that fact that Christ came to bring peace. I don't know where you are, like in, in, I don't know where you are in your life, whether it's just you feel like you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and you have no time to really think or process life or have a plan for 2020, which maybe you're freaking out because it is 2020 and you're like, it was like 2014 last year and here we are, like five years of my life has disappeared and I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know. May this be a time of just peace and to know that that's what Jesus came to bring us and not to beat a dead horse, but if you go back to Psalm 23, what does the good shepherd bring? He brings peace. He makes them to lie down in green pastures. And that's the whole purpose of Christmas and the whole purpose of this time. I know for myself, um, I'm just being reminded of that, that this is a time, although there's so much commotion and there's so much celebration, hey, hey, get after it, celebrate. I mean, this is our holiday, right? This is our season where we're like pumped. If you have a house, if you have an apartment, if you have a room, light it up. Turn it up for, you know, I don't know what the cool terms are, but like celebrate 
your socks off this time of year because this is our holiday, right? Get after it. Get after it. Be generous. Don't go into debt, but be generous. Like give at this time of year because that's what this time of year is about. It's about giving. It's about giving out what we've been given. Rejoicing in what God has given us. Get after it. But also rest in the peace that God has brought to us. Take time to like consider what we're so busy with and take time to be at peace with God. Take time to rejoice and be thankful for the peace that Jesus has brought through the cross of Christ. Without that, we're still at war with God. We're still at enmity with him. And instead, we have peace with God. And his, his desire for us is to be a people that are at peace, spiritually, mentally, at peace with him. So that's where we're going to stop. And in 2020, we're going to pick up the rest of the story. So come back in January. <laughs> um, but during um, December, we'll have these Advent groups in which we'll just kind of be diving into... Um, why we're celebrating this time of year. And so um, those will be conversations that we'll have. And, and so, um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, just the, again, confirmation in it that this is the living and powerful word of God, to see the fulfillment of scripture, to f uh, see the fulfillment of prophecy. And Lord, your word told us that you would come and you came. The Lord told us that you would, or the word told us that you would come to save us, and you did. And so, Lord, everything else that you've told us will also take place. Thank you that you have come and that you are coming again. And Lord, we want to be ready for that day. But Lord, we want to bring people with us as well. And Lord, we thank you that you have uh, used us, Lord, and desire to use your church as a vehicle for the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray this year, in, in, uh, in this upcoming year, in, in 2020, Lord, that you would save many and that you would use us in that work to accomplish the work of your kingdom. And, Lord, although you may move others on, and, and Lord, this group may look very different next year, Lord, we're just so thankful that God... You move us with the intention of still living, um, living into the kingdom. And so, God, you spread us out. You move us on. And so, Lord, whatever this next year brings, God, we pray that you would do a greater work and that we would see many come to a saving knowledge of you. Thank you for the peace that you've brought to us, Lord. If anyone in here is experiencing just turmoil in their soul, and just unrest. God, we pray that peace would come upon them. We thank you that your word tells us that you give us a peace that passes our understanding. Not that it's, we're surprised, but just it's something that puts us at ease even, those, even though we shouldn't be. And so, Lord, we thank you for your presence. And God, as we, as we walk with you, may we go deeper in our walk with you. And as we go deeper with you, there would be a greater and deeper peace within us. A greater rest in you, Lord. 
And so, God, we, we give our lives to you again and surrender to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Stop.